Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how to be a better communicator from the legendary Alan Alda. We'll also answer a listener question about why oceans don't sink into the ground. Let's sink into some curiosity. Today, we have an extremely special guest that we are very excited to present. One of our favorite podcasts is Clear and Vivid, hosted by Alan Alda. Yes, the Alan Alda, the award-winning actor and best-selling author who you may know from several TV shows and movies over the years, including his role as Hawkeye in one of the highest-rated television shows in history, M.A.S.H. What you may not know is that Alan Alda is a science advocate and has dedicated his life's work to improving science communication. His Clear and Vivid podcast helps make us all more connected, better communicators. And it also helps to benefit the research done at the Alan Alda Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University. You can learn more about the Alda Center at aldacenter.org. On his podcast, Alan has interviewed luminaries from all walks of life, including Melinda Gates, Stephen Fry, Yo-Yo Ma, Madeline Albright, and Carol Burnett. And we had the super cool opportunity to flip the script and interview Alan about what he's learned about communicating science over the years. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got started in the, the science communication game? Yeah, I was always interested in science. Since I was a little boy, I was an amateur inventor. And I was always curious about how things got the way they were, and which I think is sort of a basic question to science, basic kind of curiosity. And after MASH was over... The producers of a television show on PBS called Scientific American Frontiers asked if I wanted to uh, host the show. And I was really interested in science and wanted to learn more about it. And I said, I think you probably want me to get on in the beginning on camera and say, here's our show, and then get off camera and read a narration where I'll never get a chance to talk to scientists. So I said, would you mind letting me interview them, because I knew I'd spend all day with them, and I'd get them to tell me everything they could in that eight-hour stretch. And they took a chance, because no, none of us was sure I could do it, especially me. Really? Yeah. I mean, I have a certain amount of confidence that lets me say, I'll do it, but that doesn't mean that I know what I'm talking about. But we developed, so we developed a way of doing science presenting science that was really unusual. It might have been, in some ways, I think it was unique. We didn't have a standard interview process. I didn't go in with a list of questions. I went in with curiosity. And once I was able to really admit to my ignorance, which took me a few episodes, because you, you feel you don't, want to, you don't want to appear dumb, you know, but you actually appear dumber if you think you know something and it, it's clear you don't. So it's really better to say, I don't know what this is. Tell me, I don't understand. Tell me, make me understand it. Help me understand it. And that connection that happened between me and the scientists, because it was a personal encounter, it, they, they said, oh, I got to help this poor schmo understand this. So their focus was off the camera. They didn't make lectures. They had to actually help me personally understand it. And when I did understand it, it got to be like an event. So we had something that was a that was like a scene happening, you know, and we were just improvising together. So that was very exciting for me, and that that led to trying to figure out how to help scientists at large communicate better. And what we do is we we sort of re, repeat that process of the personal connection, 
and we help them achieve it through putting them through improvisation exercises, which you don't expect. Not comedy improv, but kind of a pure kind of improv that just leads to connection between two people. And the communication improves drastically. Once you make a connection with the other person. Yeah. It's, the, I think, the basis of communication. If you, if you have an estimate of what is going on in their head while you talk to them or write for them, it's much easier to connect with them. If you don't have, if you don't know who it is, you can't even guess who's there, how do you know it's landing on them? How do you know what to say to engage them? It's really basic. How does improv help with that? Improv helps because you're in a very intimate connection with a person that you're improvising with. And the early exercises in improv help bring about that connection. So what we do is we start with the most basic one, which is mirroring the other person. And you have to help the other person be your mirror because it has to be instantaneous, the the synchronization between the two of you. And then we go to another exercise that takes it up a notch and another one that takes it up another notch. And they're all scaled so that you get, you can't do the third one until you've done the first two pretty well. And each one leads to more connection, more observing the other person. I'm looking in your eyes right now. I mean, I th- there was probably a time before I got into this when I would be talking and looking into some middle space, thinking about what I'm saying. I'm thinking about how you're getting it now. And that's different. And that changes me moment to moment in the way I speak to you. It requires a lot of really zeroing in on what the other person is maybe thinking and feeling. Yeah, very so much. would you say empathy is? Yeah, it's, it's hard to talk about empathy because everybody has a different definition of it. I think people who have thought about it a lot tend to settle on the idea that empathy is mainly feeling in a way what the other person is feeling. What scientists call theory of mind is different, where you can intuit what they're thinking. You get signals from them to help you figure that out. But empathy, some people feel, is having sympathy for another person, wanting to help them out, wanting to do good toward the other person. But that's not necessarily true. There's something that I think of as dark empathy, where you know what the other person is feeling, and you use that to make them feel even worse. Oh, no. Well, and it, what's an interrogator do but read your emotions in order to exploit those emotions? And some some salespeople do that. You know, what, 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 are, what are you really after? What do you think you're after? How can I appeal to that and take your money? Alan's podcast, Clear and Vivid, is produced by Graham Chedd with help from associate producer Sarah Chase. You can subscribe to Clear and Vivid for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And sign up for Alan's newsletter at alanalda.com. Plus, stay tuned to the end of today's episode to find out where you can hear more of our conversation with Alan Alda. We got a listener question from Manny, who asks, What makes large bodies of water, like lakes or oceans, stay above the surface of the Earth? For example, when I pour water out onto dirt or sand, the Earth absorbs it. What makes lakes and oceans not do the same? Good question, Manny. There are a few reasons for why lakes and oceans don't just seep into the ground. If we're talking about a lake bed that's made up of soft dirt or sand, it's just a matter of saturation. If you poured enough water into a bucket full of sand, it would eventually stop sinking and start pooling near the top, right? 
In the same way, the earth beneath many lakes starts by absorbing water, but eventually it just can't anymore and a lake forms. But other lakes, and pretty much all oceans, don't have soft dirt beneath them. They sit on a foundation of hard clay or rock, which doesn't absorb water in the first place. But that doesn't mean the earth doesn't swallow water up from time to time anyway. In fact, the Earth's mantle sucks down hundreds of millions of gallons of water every day in what's known as the deep water cycle. It starts when tectonic plates collide deep beneath the ocean, which wedges one plate beneath the other and produces a fault in the ocean floor that's immediately filled with water. Sometimes the fault goes deep enough to reach the Earth's mantle, where a lot of it stays trapped. Some studies estimate that as much as four oceans worth of water is stored in the mantle right now. Eventually, a lot of that water bubbles out of hydrothermal vents or explodes out of undersea volcanoes, and the cycle begins again. Who knew the deep sea got so violent? Thanks for your question, Manny. If you have a question, send it in to podcast at curiosity.com. Before we recap what we learned today, here's a quick programming note. You didn't think we were done talking with Alan Alda, did you? Because we had so much more to talk about. And that's why this Sunday, we're going to release a special bonus episode of Curiosity Daily featuring even more of our conversation with Alan Alda. Keep an eye on your podcast feed this weekend to hear Alan talk about what's stopping people from believing in science, an exercise he uses to build empathy, and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today. Today we learned that communication improves drastically once you've really made a connection with another person. And that you appear dumber if you act like you know something and you don't. And that hundreds of millions of gallons of water get sucked into the Earth's mantle, but water also comes back up thanks to hydrothermal vents and undersea volcanoes. Thanks, deep water cycle. Is that how toilets work, too? (laughs) Maybe we should do an episode on it. Water go down, bad thing go down, (laughs) clean water come up. I have no idea. I think you just explained it. (laughs) Today's episode was scripted, produced, and edited by Cody Goff. Today's episode was also scripted by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor of Curiosity.com. Have a great weekend and join us again for a special episode with Ellen Alda this Sunday to learn something new in just a few minutes. Until then, stay curious.